Hey everyone, so podcast number 11 today and today I've got on Liz who's a personal trainer, works with me at JD Gyms. Uh, she specialises in training pre and postnatal women. So i just got a few questions I want to ask Liz about these topics, more like on the mental side of things. So yeah, hope you're looking forward to it. Um, yeah man, let's go. By the way, can you hear that? Yeah, I just have to press continue. So you could hear the thing saying that it's yes. being recorded? Yeah. We are obviously recording now, but I'm wondering if people who will listen to it will also hear that. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it never used to do that Zoom. I'll have to get, get, rid, of it, get rid of it if it does, but I guess we'll find out afterwards. Um, yeah, Liz, thanks for coming on today. Not at all. And yeah, I guess if you can just tell the people, everyone who's listening, just a bit about you and what it is you do, that'd be lovely. Sure. So I'm Liz DeCourcy. Um, I've been a personal trainer for several years now, but that's not how I started out my career. I was a broadcast journalist for 16 years with the BBC. I started in local radio. My background is I had a degree in politics. I did a, a postgraduate diploma in journalism and was very happy doing that for quite a long time um, until I had my children. And um, through the course of pregnancy, I suffered from on pelvic girdle syndrome, which some of your uh, listeners to this podcast might be familiar with, which is basically where your pelvis slips out of alignment. And um, it caused me quite a few problems. And to cut a long story short, I ended up seeing a strength coach who was amazing and completely transformed my life. Not only fixed me, but made me fall in love with strength and conditioning training in a way that I just thought was never possible. And I just, from that moment, I didn't really give it much thought. I didn't look back, I retrained. And I just wanted to be able to kind of do the same for other moms who'd been through similar things, really. Yeah, that's cool. That's just completely correct. Complete career switch. Massive, massive change, yeah. Going from sitting down for long periods of time as well. You know, I used to work 12-hour production shifts, which, you know, for someone who likes to be active, I did find that quite difficult. Um, but it was a, it was a huge gear change. Um, but it's funny because I've never been much of a risk taker, really. I always, you know, I was very focused on what I wanted to do. I was quite academic when I was young. Um, I was a bit of a, a bookworm, really. And, you know, it really was a massive, massive shift. But I can honestly say that I gave it so little thought. I was so sure that that's what I wanted to do. I just didn't even spend much time thinking about, you know, was it the right thing? It wasn't really until afterwards that I was like, whoa, I've made quite a big lifestyle change here. But it was just, you know, looking back, it was absolutely the right thing for me. And I'm so glad I did it. Yeah, that's not that matters. Definitely the right choice. Anytime I hear, when I hear stories like that, where someone changed, like, career path just like that, boom, didn't even give it thought, it's like, I would always say it's the right, right thing, usually. Like, nearly always. Yeah, I think if you spend a lot of time thinking about the what-ifs and the you know, is this the right thing for me? I think you, you've already questioned whether or not it's what you want to do. But, you know, I was so sure. Um, I mean, it, it was a real staggering, you know, change for me, not just from a, a physical point of view. Obviously, I had a, you know, you have to look at my transformation pictures to know that I had a massive change in terms of my appearance, um, weight loss, you know, muscle gain, all that kind of thing. But from a 
health point of view, it was hugely uh, transformational as well. You know, I've got two boys who are five and eight, highly energetic. And, you know, now they have trouble keeping up with me, not the other way around. So that's the way it should be. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of parents can relate to that as well, because you usually hear it, they worry, don't you? And they say, you need to keep up with the kids. It's like, what, Absolutely. Happened? what happened to you then? If the kids are doing more than you, that's what I always say. Even though that, some people look like that, but yeah. So that's what you, and now you, like, obviously, your, like, niche, if you want to call it, your client base is, is towards the, like, pre and postnatal. Is that, is that right? Yeah, I'd probably say it's around 80% mums who, you know, the, none of them are the same. You know, they all come to me with their own set of unique problems. And I talk about this, like, all the time, that it doesn't matter whether you are, you know, eight months postpartum and you're literally just getting back to exercise, having given birth, or you're six, seven years down the line, having had a child and think it's probably time to address some of those, you know, residual problems that you had from pregnancy or, or the aftermath. Um, you know, every single client I work with is different and I'm still learning all the time, you know, about new things and, um, you know, having to research because, you know, ultimately I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, I'm a, I'm a personal trainer, but I'll do my best, you know, to try and help people because I think one of the things that's come out over the last 12 months, certainly during lockdown, is the lack of provision for new mums. I mean, certainly, you know, there's been talk of lots of mums who've not had their usual six to eight week postpartum checkups as a result of COVID. Mm. Um, and the problem is, is that it's just not seen as a priority. Um, I know that there's a petition at the moment, which is going to be discussed in, in Parliament, hopefully, which will look at provision for new mums and essentially giving them what it's like a body MOT, you know, making sure that everything that needs to be done it has been done, has been checked, etc. Because anybody who has been through a pregnancy will know that during that nine months, you see more medical professionals than probably you've ever seen in your entire life, literally have your blood pressure checked every five minutes, you know, constantly making sure that you are in good health, that you're getting all the right vitamins, nutrition, all that kind of thing. But as soon as the baby is born, the emphasis then shifts to the child. And actually, I mean, it's not, it sounds awful. I want to say it's not like they don't care about you anymore. But all of a sudden, it's more of a concern about the baby than it is about you. And you're sort of left to your own devices, you know. And in other parts of the world, it's there is definitely better provision. Um, you know, the things like designated gynecologists, you know, all that kind of thing. Uh, people who will examine you to make sure that everything is functioning as it should do. I just think that we could probably do better. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I'm really, really passionate about it, because I don't think anyone should have to be suffering silence or just accept that that is the way that it's going to be for the rest of your life. Because for lots of mums, yeah. you know, they're still really young, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, true. And like you said, even though obviously we're not, we're not doctors and obviously we have to be careful what we do and what we say, but sometimes it's personal trainers that will do a lot nearly always it's personal trainers that will do a lot more for people than a doctor ever will like because like you said you actually go and read stuff you learn stuff you try things and yourself you try things you, you read you're doing things that doctors aren't doing or learning about yeah. yeah yeah absolutely and you're spending like quality time with someone as well you know the, the kind of time that a lot of medical professionals just don't have the luxury of having they might have a short appointment with somebody where they can barely address any of the things it's not their fault they're, they're time poor 
you know, where you get to know someone and they might say to you, oh, I've had problems with this or I might have problems with that. And even if you can't deal with it, you can then refer them to somebody who can make a massive change. I know from a, from a personal point of view, I will always be grateful to my coach, you know, for having completely transformed my life. I could have spent the rest of my life hobbling around on a dodgy hip, you know, with nobody really bothered about solving the problem. But, you know, here I am swinging from bars and, you know, doing the kind of things that I do now in the gym. And it's a completely different situation. You know, so I, I consider myself really lucky in that respect. Yeah, but lucky, but you, you, you work for it as well. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Looking motivated, shall we say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like a role, yeah. Tra- tra- transformation role model to other mums. Like, yeah. But like, and like, like you said about, you know, doctors. It's not the, the, sometimes there's not the time to sp- spend these this time on the amount of women that must be giving birth every day. The time that, like you said, there's not enough around it to look after them after after giving birth i think part of the problem with it is that it's seen as um it's mainly aesthetic so for instance if after giving birth you know you've got um poor mind muscle connection with things like abdominal muscles or you've got minor abdominal separation and that kind of thing i think there is this misconception that that is a vanity uh, pursuit if you like that you know actually you just live with it and it is what it is but if you've got a weak core then that's going to cause you problems further down the line. So this is not just about, you know, one of the things I always say to people is I can't promise to give you the body that you are looking for in terms of the way it looks. You know, there might only be certain circumstances where surgery would be able to fix that for you. But what I can do is solve the functional things and help to, you know, repair damage. If you've got like weakened pelvic floor, for example, is a really, really common one. And it's a bit taboo as well. So nobody wants to talk about it. It's like, well, actually it's a bit embarrassing. Therefore let's not chat about that. Sure not. But for me, I'm quite open with my clients and I'll just say, look, you know, tell me how it is and we can do everything we can to, to repair that and to fix it. And in a few cases I've seen, massive results there as well where clients who've come to me who were too scared to run and jump who are now you know running 7k with no no difficulty and that's life-changing you know Mm -hmm. and something that they had almost accepted and sort of thought well that's how it is now it's going to be like that and it doesn't have to be that way it's the same with things like joint problems and you know things like the alignment of the hips often suffer during pregnancy because of the hormones that we have massive massive influx of hormones into your body like relaxing which stays in your system for up to six months after you've given birth which makes everything nice and supple ready for preparation for childbirth but the problem with that is is it makes everything give you that wobbly feeling and then if you go and do something you know you can really easily cause yourself an injury without even knowing that you're doing it because you've still got this hormone in your system and it's things like that that you know i can address But I also think that if you address some of those issues, those functional things, that the confidence in your body and the way that you look sometimes comes naturally, you know, afterwards, you're not perfect, but it's about living with your imperfections and actually growing to think they're not as bad as I thought they were, you know. I, for a while, really struggled to look at myself in the mirror postpartum and sort of you know I didn't recognize my own body and I I really struggled with that and I I think the reason why I've had success with other mums is because they find me relatable Mm. you know I I understand what what they're going through and the way that they feel and sometimes that anxiety and feeling you know that low self-confidence and I just want to be able to give them a bit of swagger back really 
Yeah, been there, done it. So would you, I guess, would you like to see the mindset change from women and the actual healthcare industry when it comes, I mean, it's more, be, I guess it'd be more, because it's more the thing you hear from the women giving birth, that after birth, the more, you're more likely to hear them say, I want to lose weight or I want to get back to looking how I did before I had a child rather than saying things like, I want to rebuild my core, I want to rebuild the, the strength and the muscles around my pelvis. Is that the kind of stuff you want to be hearing more of rather than, I just want to lose weight, I want to look like this, so I want to get rid of this? I don't know, you know, I mean, in, on the kind of face of it, yes, of course, I'd, I'd like to hear people come to me with that sort of very specific goal in mind and it, it makes my life a lot easier. Or, or maybe like to be educated more around that after giving birth to say, look, you need to, would you like to, like I say, from the health, from the health industry to be more like, look, you, you need to focus on this and rebuild this if you want to lose weight yeah but so they actually know because whether you're giving birth or not most people don't know anything anyway do they no that's absolutely true and actually you know if they you occasionally get like an absolutely spot on midwife who will say to that person you know what it might be worth going seeing someone like me you know who can help you to rebuild your core especially if you've had a fair bit of abdominal separation or something like that and that's really helpful because like you say some people, they just don't know what to ask for or where to go. Um, you know, I think that's true in a lot of cases. Um, but just coming back to your original point about, you know, people coming to me and saying, oh, I want to lose weight and I want to, to look a certain way. I get it. You know, I massively sympathize with that because even though we're told, you know, that a, a, lot, of, um, a lot of the time during pregnancy, the, the weight that you gain is relatively small I think most women do see a huge change in their body whether it's you know through water retention you know the actual expansion of the belly and the uterus is, is huge and it, a lot of it comes down to genetics as to whether or not you've got a level of elasticity in your skin it's it's luck of the draw it's like Russian roulette you know you either get like loads and loads of stretch marks or you always get someone who goes oh I didn't get any and it's like well aren't you lucky you know I'm really pleased for you but on the other hand I can really relate to someone who feels low self-esteem low body confidence as a result of the way they look in addition to you know the kind of functional problems that they might have and it would be helpful if health professionals you know kind of pointed them in the right direction and said you know you can you actually can address both of these things and i think you're going to feel better in yourself but you know deal with the functional stuff first and then you know you might find you don't mind so much um i mean i from just talking from personal experience i am covered in stretch marks especially my lower abdominal muscles um but as i've got leaner and as i've got more muscle and i don't really care so much because all i see is someone who is strong and so that's the mindset too. That's what I try to say to people when they say to me, oh, I hate the way that I look, I hate this and I hate that. And I'm like, yeah, but you know what? You won't even notice. It won't bother you anywhere near as much if you, you know, have those performance goals. Like when, I love it when people say to me, oh, I'd love to be able to deadlift twice my body weight or I want to be able to get my first pull up or whatever it might be because that focus takes the emphasis away from the scales. And quite often, you know, the weight loss, for instance, that they're looking for will just happen organically. I agree. It's hard, hard to change something from a place of, like you say there, when someone's saying, I don't want this, or I don't want that, or negative, just something negative. It's hard to change when you're focusing on the things you don't want, like you say there. And 
But when you do focus on what you do want, it's funny how everything just falls into place in the end, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's that phrase, you hear it all the time, don't you, in the fitness industry, it's like, don't focus on what, what you want to lose, focus on what you want to gain. And, it, you know, I, I, I mean, I did, don't get me wrong, I did want to lose some weight after I'd had my second baby. Um, but that wasn't my priority. I think I was so focused on being able to rebuild some strength in my hips and my glutes, you know, um, that the weight loss just happened naturally. And you quite often find as well that, with moms who they start to build up their self-confidence and they start seeing their strength gain and things like that, that all of a sudden they have like a deeper found respect for their body. So the nutrition side of things follows suit as well. And I know that that certainly happens with me. All of a sudden you're thinking about what you put into your body to fuel your workouts. You put in, you know, what you put in into body to build that lean muscle. You're not, you're not necessarily thinking about or you know the calorie content or how little you're eating to keep your weight down it's more of a performance related nutrition which is all the better isn't it really yeah yeah those are nearly always yeah it looks after everything and that yeah it's like taking the back to the the actual question with what, what you said how both are important yeah they want to lose weight but also strength and rebuilding but when they, if they focus on regaining like the, the health to like optimal level of health and getting strong again all over, then as we know, even if you've not given birth or you have, if you're focusing on markers like that, then usually we all lose weight anyway. Absolutely. And I think it's, re it's really, really difficult as well, because one of the things you look at the phrase, you know, it takes a village to raise a child. And by the very nature of society these days is that, you know, people tend to leave having children until they're much older because they've got so many things they want to do first like building their careers and all that kind of thing and you know that comes with its own set of difficulties because you've got you know couples who are you know well established financially they're in a great position to have kids but the wider circle of family might be quite elderly by the time they you know have children so they haven't got that support network and I can remember you know when I first had um, my first son you know, my husband at the time was working away quite a lot. And I can remember just walking around the house with this eight week old baby with colic screaming its head off thinking, what do I do? You know, I'm literally clueless and very alone here. And, you know, and I had, I mean, my family weren't on my doorstep, but I did have support. And it, the idea of being able to just drop all that and go to the gym is so, so hard. You know, if I'd known what I know now, I'd have been able to come up with an effective training program to do at home. But there must be so many moms who are not in that position, who haven't got a clue where to start and are frankly so frazzled by becoming a new mum and just so tired, you know, that it's really, really difficult. Um, and you also want to give them that headspace as well. You know, it's great if you can bring a baby along to a class that's going to improve the amount of people who are able to take part. But you also, I always think to myself, that hour, that hour that you're spending doing yoga or Pilates or whatever it might be, or just going to the gym to train, that's your hour. You need that. You need that headspace. That's what makes you a better parent. You know, so that's what I always say to people when they're, they're really struggling with that mindset of, oh, I don't really want to leave my baby with my mom for an hour. And it's like, no, you need this. Actually, don't feel guilty about it. This is going to make you a better parent in the end. Um, I know that a lot of um, gyms in the States have, crash facilities you know where you can go you can take your baby but you can still have that break and I, I actually think that's a really really good idea 
I don't know if I'd have done it in the, you know, the early stages of having given birth because you've got this such a t an emotional attachment, you know, the idea of leaving baby for that length of time to go and do something. It's quite a hard thing to grasp that. And I know a lot of mums would struggle with that, but certainly, you know, maybe six months down the line, wouldn't it be great to have more facilities like that where you could do that and get and go and train whilst you know your baby's in good hands? Yeah, there definitely needs to be more like that. I'm sure there's so much headache around it as well of having them. <laughs> that shouldn't stop it because that would, yeah, that would help. As a whole country, yeah, it would help everyone. I know you were just speaking about it then, but what are your thoughts then on mothers feeling guilty to go and do, not just like exercise or go to class, but like, you know, to just do anything that's putting themselves first, looking after themselves, because like, like before the baby, like, is that a, was that a tough one for you? Is that a tough one for mums, do you think? Yeah, yeah it's, it's a really real thing. I don't think it's just mums either. I think it applies to dads to an extent as well, especially if they're the prime caregivers. You know, we've got, we've got ourselves in a real conundrum, I think, as a society at the moment, that mums have this huge pressure to be everything. And it's not just to be the best parent, you know, to be able to, you know, show up at the school gates looking pristine and the perfect mother, you know, all of that, on top of which you're expected to have the perfect career, really, you know, big success rates, big house, you know, all of those kind of things. And I think we've just got ourselves into a position where our expectations of ourselves are so high, we're just destined to fail. So I think, you know, on the mum guilt thing, I mean, it's so, so hard when you first have a baby, you know, you feel overwhelmed, you know, you're looking at this tiny thing that you brought into the world and you just want to do everything you can to make sure that that child is cared for. You jump in front of a bus for them, you know, you do anything for them. And the idea about, you know, going out for an hour and putting yourself first, it does feel really, really hard in, in the, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm over that now. <laughs> just, just to be clear, now that my kids are like five and eight, I can't get away from them quick enough. But, um, no, I'm joking. Um, but initially, whilst they're a baby and they seem so vulnerable, it's really hard to, to make that time for yourself. And I think for a lot of people as well, you know, they feel quite trapped and isolated in their own home because you get into a routine with a new baby of feeding and all that kind of thing. And it's very hard to leave the house, especially if you're by yourself or your partner works shifts or whatever it might be. It's difficult. It's really, really difficult to make time for yourself. But on the, the other hand, you know, when you look at the rates of depression, um, postnatal depression in particular amongst new mums, it's so high and has rocketed in the last 12 months. And that's not surprising because if you think about it, they were already isolated and then you throw COVID into the mix and they're doubly as isolated. So, you know, you've got all that to deal with. And I think we're going to see in the next couple of years, a massive knock-on effect of that, of people who've given birth during lockdown. Um, I mean, one of my friends from my old job had a child and was talking about the fact that this baby had not met their grandparents. You know, it's been eight, nine months before they, you know, they were fully fledged, you know, babies. They weren't babies anymore by the time they'd seen relatives. And if you think, you know, I think about how isolated and vulnerable I felt when my kids were born. And that was in a completely set of different circumstances. So I really feel for these mums and I would urge them actually to, to seek help if they need it, whether that's in the form of counselling, 
Um, or, you know, from, from a physical point of view, seeing someone like us, you know, who can really help them with their physical health and the confidence and, you know, just rebuilding their bodies and having that headspace to themselves as well. Yeah, as if it, not even just around giving birth, but like you said, then even months and months to years down the line, they still have these, they're still not chatting to no one. Like you said there, they seek help, chat to someone, go see someone, or even just still not, you may be like the baby's three years old and they're still not doing, putting themselves, they're not doing things for themselves because they should be doing, not just around after giving birth, but years down the line, still always putting the baby first, which is obviously good and nice, but in the end, who looks after the baby? Exactly. And, and that happens all the time, but actually with, you know, quite a lot of my clients are people who, you know, they've waited until their child was maybe five or six yeah. before doing anything about, and you know, I always say to people, because quite often I get that question, I was like, oh, it's too late, isn't it? It's too, you wouldn't believe the number of people who say that to me, oh, it's too late. I'm like, no, it's never too late. It's not too late. Come work with me. You know, we can always address things like, you know, it doesn't really matter whatever residual problems you've had from pregnancy. It's never, ever too late to look at them and, and do something about it. I think sometimes when, you know, I sometimes think I made a mistake with my when I put my literature together because I put my little boy as a baby on the front of it and people assume that it needs to be, you know, in the immediate afterbirth, afterbirth, you know, childbirth rather, aftermath of childbirth. But it doesn't, it really doesn't. You know, you just, at some point or other, you have to sort of take stock and think, this is, there's got to be some time in the day that is just for me. Um, and whether that's picking up heavy things and putting them down because that's what I like about it, being able to just shut off and just not think about anything else other than my training for a while. And I think ultimately it makes me a better mum because I'm certainly more patient with my boys than I am if I haven't trained. Um, but also I think it sets a really good example for them because as a mum of two boys in particular, you know, they're always going on about how strong mummy is. Isn't mummy strong? Mummy can lift me, you know, like she can do all these things. And I love that, you know, I lap it up. I'm like, yeah, you're right, boys. I'm much stronger than you. <laughs> For the next 10, 10, maybe less than 10 years. Yeah, well, we're on a ticket clock, I think, really, yeah. <laughs> Start going gym in 10 years' time. Might catch up. Yeah. It'll be a sad day when they can outrun me, definitely. <laughs> no, but you're right, though, that, that's, that's the way it should be. Like I said, I think that, that was something I didn't even think about, this, setting that example. To, to, no matter what it is, like in this case, it's it's the exercising, what better example to set, and then obviously what goes with that, or the no doubt that healthy food they're always eating. Like, just that, from, yeah, just super important, and because you're looking after yourself so much, then it, come, then it comes back to the other thing that makes me think for the mums and dads who do put the children first too much and don't look after themselves. I say not just with exercise, but then what are they eating when they're always feeling down and stressed? What are the kids eating? Like there's so many things, how yeah, there's that obviously would be affected. Did you, did you ever struggle with anything like that? I think it's, um, it's a vicious cycle, isn't it? Because as a society, we always associate food with um, like comfort. So if someone dies, do you want yeah. a cup of tea and cake? Or, you know, something bad happens, you've had an accident, sit down, I'll get you something. You know, and it, when it's a celebration, you know, you're constantly like eating for, you know, to make yourself feel better. And we've just, we've just fostered this relationship with food now whereby we, we don't seek comfort from other things. We don't seek comfort from 
I often say to my clients, you know, exercise is a massive stress buster. So it is one of the best things that if you're feeling like stressed and, you know, it's one of the things that, you know, that I would turn to. And I hope that my boys will turn to as well. I mean, actually, I have to say they're not the best eaters. Um, one of them is better than the other one. A bit more adventurous when it comes to trying food. But the thing is that they see me eat well and a whole range of stuff you know day in and day out so i'm planted that seed already so by the time they become teenagers they know what a varied and healthy diet looks like if they make you know the choices that most children will make you know they're going to pick chips and pizza or, or you know a salad they're not going to go for the salad at the moment but further down the line hopefully that will change and it's about fostering that relationship isn't it with, with food and sort of seeing it differently and you know just teaching them i suppose you know the best way you know one one of my clients um, a while back had said to me oh, i'm going to take a break from training because i've been suffering with stress and you know the last thing you want to do as a personal trainer is to add to that stress you know you don't you don't want to kind of put them under any more pressure than they already feel and sometimes things like especially if you're on a weight loss journey or something can be quite stressful if you've not got a support network around you but I always urge people to use exercise and their program find the joy in it you know don't just do it because you feel like you have to do it do it because you're enjoying it um and that's why when it comes to like arranging you know a specific bespoke program for somebody in particular a new mom I always try and create a program that they are going to enjoy because otherwise they're not going to adhere to it are they you know and they're not going to keep coming back for more and you know better than anyone that it's about establishing a routine you know if you cannot establish a routine and something that becomes habitual you're never going to stick with it and so it won't become part of your lifestyle and um, it's got to be fun otherwise there's no point to it really is there yeah no yeah, because it's a tough one that someone says, oh, I want to stop training because I'm feeling stressed. It's like, okay, if that is feels like a chore to you, then it's going to make you more stressed. But if it doesn't feel like a chore, it should do the complete opposite. So they say, oh, well, I am enjoying it, but what I'm stopping is like, well, then it's you have the conversation like, well, you need to carry on training then. Yeah, that's right. I've had in the past where I've had clients I've thought about telling them to stop for the, just for the for the time being or even just for a week but then I've decided not to say it because I think right because I'm super stressed with certain things and I thought wait a minute if I take this away after having a chat with them a few times I'm like nah like it could make them worse so I'm like yeah I'm not even going to mention it there's been a few times but then there's also been times where I have said look take a break um, but yeah it's a, it's a tough one it is really really hard that because if they're paying lip service to it you know and you know that they're not getting the results that they want uh, and that's not good for you and it's not good for them yeah. um, but at the same time lots of people will ask me how on earth I find the time to train you know on top of my job and looking after the kids and you know managing my family and all that kind of thing and I always say the same thing is that actually my training is so important to me it's not so much about finding the time to train but about fitting everything else around my training which makes me sound like massively selfish no. but at the same time it's you know it's for my own sanity you know more than anything and no. I, I'm not sure I answered your original question but it's really funny like when I first gave birth I 
took up loads of random hobbies um, because I felt trapped in the house. So I took up sewing, which seems ridiculous to me now because I hate sewing. Like it's, but it was one of those things that I could do when the boys were put to bed. You know, I didn't have to go anywhere and just nothing ever, ever filled that thing that was missing in my life. You know, I knew that something was missing. Something was, you know, I needed to be doing something else. But I wasn't quite sure what it was. And um, yeah, I tried all sorts of, of hobbies and just nothing cut the mustard really. But you, you do look for something, you know, you look for something to make you feel better, to sort of emotionally and, you know, to give yourself that headspace. And it's not going to be exercise for everybody, is it? Let's face it. But, you know, we can do our best to try and uh, convert people. <laughs> I think there'll always be something someone enjoys, just depending on what it is. But then I also think everyone enjoys strength training and any kind of, like bodybuilding style training it's just that they don't know how to, most people don't know how to do it i only i honestly believe there's not a person in this world that doesn't enjoy it even the ones that haven't done it because you just don't know you don't how do you know how do you know you don't enjoy it if you've never tried it and they say oh yeah i've tried it but it's like you haven't i was like you haven't until so there's someone because someone will have to teach you yeah, and then You'll see, it. and then if and then once you've tried it, if you don't like it, then yeah. But I, I honestly say everyone. I think everyone enjoys it. I think that's true, actually, because I think for a lot of people, and I count myself in this. I was a bit of a cardio junkie in my sort of early twenties. I did, you know, I used to run quite a lot, um, and it wasn't really until I sort of really got into my strength training that I noticed the difference in my performance in other aspects. You know, like that, so my running is massively improved in, in terms of what it was back then because of my strength training. But I think for a lot of people who have been in a commercial gym. And I know when I was at university, I used to use the, um, the gym at the Commonwealth uh, Swimming Pool on Oxford Road in Manchester. And, um, you know, it's a great, great gym. But to be honest, I would go in and I'd use machines and not free weights. You know, so I'd go in, I'd do my cardio, maybe use some machines. And that, that was, they were all right. You know, I, I didn't mind them, but I didn't get the same pleasure out of a training session that I would say now, you know. And I think that's the difference, isn't it? That, like you say, people may think they know what strength training looks like, but hasn't haven't necessarily done it properly or really got the best out of it and what I really love with a lot of the mums that I work with is that they say they enjoy it because it makes them feel empowered mm -hmm. um you know one of my clients um last year said to me that when she came home from a session with me her husband used to say she was really cocky <laughs> and I absolutely love this I was like this is what we're aiming for you know mums with a bit of uh, a bit of, you know, sort of kick-ass attitude you know like really sort of a bit swagger and everything you know I just I just like the idea that an hour was an hour with me and she went home like feeling you know not only empowered but like super confident and a little bit a bit of attitude <laughs> like, that's what you want everyone should be everyone but it's like the thing they hear the most is people say they don't like it because they always say before that is what they'll always be. Oh, I don't know how to do any of that. So I don't like it. So I go classes. So I do the cardio. I just go classes. So I'll never hear. But yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, we, we know that they have their role. You know, I always say to people, you're looking for a good calorie burn, then, you know, you go spin or whatever it might be, you know. Yeah. But I think... One of the things that I would say is that I, I did a class recently and one of the ladies and I immediately clocked and I was like, she's pregnant. Um, and I was like, how many, how many weeks are you? And she was like, I'm 22 weeks pregnant. And I was like, okay, you know that after 22 weeks, you can't do anything supine. So 
don't be doing any abdominal stuff on your back or anything like that and sort of you know keep an eye on you and I think one of the problems with provision for pre and postnatal is that you know these anybody can turn up to something like that but don't necessarily you know have the time to devote to the individuals in there and you just have to hope that whoever is taking that class has got the knowledge to know whether or not you should or should be doing what you're doing you know so for me that's always it almost makes me slightly nervous when i've got you know i don't want to be able to give people more individual attention which is why i love the pt and so much because you've got that time to devote to the individual and really you know take the time to think about what their individual needs are and what their problems are and how you're going to address them yeah true and that's why did you you said it just as i was going to say it anyway about because you know i'm against classes anyway i think but there's there's another good reason as to why I'm against them because just as I was going to say you started saying like if someone I don't know how to use any of that cardio balls mate and go in a class and it's a pregnant woman it's like whoa like she doesn't know any better I don't expect her to know any better most of them just know that they shouldn't exercise which is wrong as well they just say they just be told don't don't do any exercise Oh, and that's like a massive... That's like the whole way. Yeah, yeah, but it's like the ones that are like, yeah, you should exercise, but don't know what, and then they just turn up to a hit class on... It's like, yeah, they're like 22 weeks in or whatever. It's on like all the jumping around stuff and all that. You'd think they'd know, probably know better, but you never know. I think, I think you know, certainly the mums themselves are becoming like, they're having to educate themselves better. Yeah. And I think the other thing is that, you know, if you've got, for instance, I know mums who've had really, really traumatic childbirths. I'm talking about sort of fourth degree tears, ended up with prolapses, that kind of thing. And there seems to be a hard and fast rule where, you know, where the medical world comes into play and says, well, what kind of, what kind of exercise can I do? And it's like, well, nothing, nothing high impact. You, you can swim um or you, you know you can do this and, and the thing is is that if you've got a mom who is in her 20s 30s early 40s being told that that's it now I, that, that for me is not good enough yeah. um i think you know there are some some big brands who've they've actually put themselves out there i know peloton have have got someone who are you know kind of telling people what they can and can't do with prolapses and i think it's actually really helpful and there needs to be more of that because you know, nine times out of 10, someone in that situation comes up to a class, one, they're going to be too nervous to even mention it. You know, when the instructor turns around and goes, has anyone got any injuries? You're not going to put your hand up and go, yes, me. Yeah, I've, I've got a prolapse. No, it's not going to happen, is it? You know, we, you would be way too self-conscious to do that. Um, but just to be better educated and for there to be more information out there, more options. And yes, it's a risk. You know, it's a, it's a huge risk. It's a huge risk if you've got that kind of level of injury, but it just isn't good enough to sort of say well we're going to be we're going to live our life controlled by fear for the rest of it we're not going to do any i used to be a really good runner for example or i used to do this or i used to do that but i can't anymore because of x y and z and i just don't think it should be like that that's why i think there needs to be more in terms of provision for things like mommy mot's and things like that just to make sure that you know everything's functioning as it should and there are options because it, it just can't be it can't be like that can it no it's the same with a lot of things when it comes to like obviously something like that and just many other injuries people have whatever it is from whatever has caused it it's just the the education and the healthcare system because they don't know what to tell them to do they just tell them not to do anything because they don't know what to tell them to do because obviously 
they're not usually most doctors I know some do but most doctors I see definitely don't train or exercise so how are they going to know what to do it's not their fault but yeah <laughs> yeah um I wanted to ask you about something that you mentioned at the start I think about you said you know you said about it doesn't bother you the stretch marks in your stomach and that obviously you've embraced your body for how it is how, how which is how what you should do but obviously not this is a struggle for most I think most people whatever it is but like most women after giving birth the stretch marks thing and other things do you think this is common to see people like well, mainly women struggling struggling to accept the way the body is after giving birth is that like very is that a big thing yeah uh, i mean i would say that there are very few that's maybe about 10 percent of women who've given birth who their body sort of i hate to use the expression snaps back because nobody snaps back but you know you get that kind of almost return to how things were and there's usually two reasons for that one is that they're a young mom and so their body healed in a way that perhaps you know it's not quite so forgiving when you get a little bit older um you know or you know genetically they've been blessed with like good as i mentioned you know elasticity in their skin that they, they didn't happen to have that in my own case what actually happened was that during my first uh, pregnancy i gained more weight than i should have done not quite sure what the reason for that is certainly didn't gain as much weight the second time around I was running after a toddler. So I was definitely more active at that point. Um, and it wasn't until right at the end of my pregnancy, I've been really, you know, meticulous been using all those like lotions and potions to make sure that, you know, I moisturized and, you know, avoided all that kind of thing. But I still had a fair amount of excess skin afterwards. Um, and that's something that unless I was to go, under the knife and have surgery i will always have a small pouch my lower abdominals because it's just excess skin it's not fat it's just it, it is what it is um but i think building up my strength and my muscle and being able to see you know all of that develop over time has certainly helped me to reconcile with that but i think perception is everything because i think always you think when you look at yourself it's much worse than when somebody else looks at you um i was chatting to a mum who came to to one of my classes um just before the last lockdown and and she said oh are you a personal trainer and i was chatting to her about what i did and she was like oh i think i really need to see you I've, you know i i've I can't get rid of this little belly pouch that I've got, um, you know, and I hate it. And, and I said, I looked at her and honestly, there was barely anything there at all. She had very, very low body fat and she looked great. Um, and, you know, and uh, it occurred to me, I mean, I wasn't going to say that to her at the time, but it occurred to me that a lot of it was more about how she was feeling and how it was in her mind. And I said, yeah, you know, I've got a similar situation. And she said, oh, did you have surgery? Hmm. and I said no no I didn't and I said it's still there and she went where <laughs> she, was like, she literally couldn't see you know but the funny thing was is that when I looked at her and I looked at myself we, there was no difference at all but her perception her self-perception was so critical and I think that is often part of the problem that you know things are not anywhere near as bad as you think they are in your head um, sometimes they blow out of proportion. I mean, that's not always true. I know for a lot of mums, um, there's a, 
there's a few high profile accounts on um, Instagram at the moment who I think are doing sterling work to sort of say this can be the reality postpartum and they are not doing it in a scaremongering sort of way. It's not a, ho a horror story sort of way. They're going, this is the miracle of childbirth. And actually, you know what, I'm fine with that. And there's always going to be haters who, you know, will say mean things and kind of, you know, point out that your flaws and your imperfections. But I think a lot of it is how you see yourself. You know, I, when I look back to how I was in my early 20s, you know, quite often used to spend a lot of time when I was on holiday, sitting on beaches, feeling a bit sorry for myself, not being very happy with the way that I looked in my swimwear or whatever. And thinking back to it, it wasn't necessarily that I was hugely different from the other women on the beach. It was just the way that I perceived myself, my own self-confidence. And that's what I always say to women, you know, I like to rebuild you from the inside out because don't try and get your pre-baby body back. Let's build a new one, one that you can be really proud of and what it's achieved, but also how strong it's got, you know, since. I mean, I, I can honestly put my hand on my heart and say, despite my imperfections, and there's plenty of them, that I think that I look better now at 40 than I did at 21. And, and so I'm proud of that. I'm proud of what I've achieved. And yeah, I've worked bloody hard in the gym, you know, but at the same time, I've enjoyed every minute of it. It's not like it's been a chore because a lot of people go, oh, some hard graft right there. And it's like, yeah, well, yeah, but it depends how you, how you perceive it. You know, is it, it this is my, my love, you know, this is what I enjoy doing. It's my passion. So it's not a chore. And it just, you know, the offshoot of that is that I've, you know, I, I feel good in my own skin. And I think that's, that's what we need to be sort of pushing towards really. Um, I think that, you know, there are, there's a time and a place for surgery. I'm not anti-surgery, I should say that. Yeah. And I can totally understand where, why a lot of women go for things like breast reconstruction and things like that, because after you have fed a couple of kids, you know, you do sort of feel a little bit like, it would be quite nice <laughs> to go and have a little bit of help there. Um, so I get that. But I think from anything else it needs to be functional first so if you for instance were suffering from something like an, an abdominal hernia um or your ab separation was so severe that you have more than six centimeters of separation then you may need to go and see someone you may need to have that knitted back together because ultimately when you you get older you're going to have problems with your back you're going to have problems with your core so that's from a health point of view that that needs fixing but not from an aesthetic point of view we've just got to normalize the fact that you know not everyone is perfect after they've given birth or before giving birth but then we're all human aren't we so that's just that's life that's how it's meant to be yeah yeah i really like that answer because I think like, whether it's given birth or not, like I said, or just any imperfection people have. And I really like the bit you said about you feel like you're in better shape now than you were in your 20s. Because uh, I, was, I was thinking before you said that as well, that there'll be a lot of people who maybe have never, a lot of women who have never exercised and then they give birth and it's like, oh wait, I need to exercise now, who will end up in the best shape they've ever been in after giving birth because they've never exercised in the past anyway. So it's always like, yeah. kind of, people use age as like an excuse, or like, oh no, like you say, when it's too late, it's like, no, it's not. I think we all get our healthiest and look our best the older we get. Not the, not the younger we are, because it's when we don't know as much, when we're doing what we want, because we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> 
Here we are. Look, but that question should be a bit controversial as well. I think, you know, the other thing is, is that as you get older, you are a lot less lazy. <laughs> Dare I say it? Um, you know, you prepared to put in the time in a way that, I don't know, I remember having a conversation with one of my friends who um, was probably 10 years younger than me. And he said to me, I think I might lack the discipline. Um, and I was like, well, that's youth for you, you know, but it's not always the case. I mean, you see loads of, uh, of young people who are really dedicated at the gym. Um, and I, I wasn't completely like, you know, I did exercise. Uh, I was really into my hiking. I did my Duke of Edinburgh at 18. I used to do a lot of water sports. Um, I ran and things like that. But strength training, I, got, I came to it late. Uh, I was very late to discover it. So, you know, I think... It, that's what transformed my life for me and hopefully i'll still be doing it when i'm like 95 you know that's the, that's the plan yeah that's my goal as well <laughs> yes. um yeah and, and thanks for sharing like answering my questions sharing all that useful advice and tips because no doubt that's going to help a lot of people not just not even just women who give birth because a lot of it can be used like yeah, both both ways for, for for anyone. So yeah. Thank yeah, definitely. You. And I don't want to isolate dads either because I know that having a family can transform, you know, your life as a father to the point where you feel like you you know you, you put yourself on a back seat. So uh, yeah, um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And my DMs are always open. And you know, feel free to get in touch if you've got any questions. Yeah, I mean, if you could just, just before we finish, like, if you just let people know where to find your, your Instagram page and anything else. Yeah, so I've got um, two Instagram pages. One is like kind of my main sort of functional fitness type stuff, which is at Liz DeCourcy Fitness on Instagram. Or if you're interested in the pre and postnatal, there's at Babies, Biceps and Beyond. And you can find me at LDC Fitness on Facebook. Yeah, thanks so much, Luke. Well, thanks for coming on and I hope everyone listening enjoyed this one as well and yeah I'll see you all on the next one bye bye see you later